Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses to the fourth week in our message series entitled Born for This. Come on, can we just welcome all those campuses joining us right now? So excited to have you guys. You know, if you haven't been here the last four weeks, we are in a six-week series. I'll be teaching next week, and then the following week, it ends a week before Mardi Gras. Very excited. We're answering the question, why has God placed this on this earth? By the way, that's a universal question. Three universal questions of life. Every religion, every civilization, every philosophy, who am I, why am I here, where am I going? We're centering it on the second one. And that is, what, what, what is the reason? What, what is the purpose for our existence? Week one, we said the reason why God has placed us on this earth is that we were born to know God. That, that when we connect with God, we begin to hear God's voice and walk with God. Life begins to make sense. L life takes on a whole new dimension. See, here's what I believe. I say this respectfully. There's a lot of people existing, but not a lot of people really living. When you connect with God, you begin to walk with God. I mean, that's when life, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Week two, we talked about that God has placed us on this earth, not just to know God, but to grow. And to grow in every area, whether it's obviously physiologically, but emotionally, mentally, spiritually, professionally, God wants us to flourish God wants us to grow. God wants us to develop. Matter of fact, progression and growth is the way of the kingdom of God. Last weekend, we had my good friend, Pastor Robert Morris, talking about that we were born to be generous and put God first. How many of y'all enjoyed Pastor Robert last week? Wasn't he good? Very powerful. <clears throat> Again, if you, if you miss any of the messages, maybe you weren't here last week, you can go online and download that message or watch it. Uh, you can also get the CDs we give away free at all of our, at all of our campuses. Today, I want to talk to you about the fourth reason why we were born and placed on this earth, and that is that we were born to connect. In this message, we're gonna look at the importance of relationships, relationships. The things that give us the most amazing pleasure, but also bring the greatest pain. I mean, when you are connecting with people and enjoying relationships and things are working out. I mean, it is just, it is so rewarding and so fulfilling. But when things are not going well, when there's some brokenness and some key relationships and things are just kind of off the tracks and you're really not, I mean, you're not connected, whether it's in a marriage, a friendship, professional relation. I mean, when, there's, when those relationships, I'm telling you, a relationship can be the greatest blessing, the greatest pleasure, but it can really bring some great pain. That's why we've got to understand how this thing works. We've got to understand what, how God designed relationships. Now, I want to say this. For all of us, regardless of how well you think that you do in relationships, and I know there's varying levels where some people are more conversant in their ability to connect with others and resolve conflict, and so, some may feel a little bit more skilled in relationships. If we're honest, all of us, myself included, at times we feel a little awkward, feel a little bit uncomfortable, and we may even feel a little bit prickly like a porcupine. And I mean that. So I just brought this picture. This is actually a, an African porcupine. These are quills. There's 30,000 quills that come out of an African porcupine. By the way, I learned and did some study this week on porcupines. 
Porcupines, it's very interesting, they like to travel alone. At times they go together as groups, and I'll explain what that group, you're gonna be blown away when I tell you the name of the group. What's the name that they travel with? But porcupines have these quills, and there's only two responses they primarily have. Number one is a fight, or number two is a flight. Number one is they attack, or number two, they backtrack and head it for the hills. They really don't know how to get along. You ever been around somebody like that? And what they do is they put these quills in the, in the, in the, in the, in the body of the enemy, all right? And there's these long, sharp quills, and they, and, they, and they puncture the enemy, and then that festers up, and it can kill the enemy. Or they get scared, and they run away. Boy, isn't that just like how a lot of people relate? You get close to them, they either puncture you with the word, with an action, or they get scared and they run away. I was doing a little study this week about porcupines, and I was kind of feeling sorry for them. Because the Latin word for porcupine actually means the irritable pig. Come on, man. Why'd you be nice? I mean, what's up with that? Hey, listen to this. Thinking about all the different animals that are in, you know, throughout the years, whether it's famous children's books or Hollywood, just think about this. The spiders, they're venerated, all right? They're esteemed. Charlotte's Web. I mean, you got a whole movie after a spider. How about this one? Foxes in Zootopia. Dolphins. I mean, they're lifted up in Flipper. Isn't that right? Who can ever forget the killer whales in Free Willy? And of course, even skunks in Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> Why isn't there any movies about porcupines? Something about porcupines. Generally, porcupines, again, have two methods. One is fight, the other is flight. And the reason is, is because they like to travel alone. When they do travel together, you're not going to believe this. See, elephants, I wrote this down. So, so, so sheep herd in flocks. Elephants live in herds. All right? Ducks, birds, they're flocks. Wolves are in a pack. Listen to the word every now and then when porcupines get together. Listen to the word. Are you ready for this? This is on the internet. It's, you can Google it. It's got to be true. It's on the internet. This is the name. You ready for this? The group of porcupines, when they get together, is called a prickle. A prickle. Look at the, I'm sorry, I can't even say in church. A prickle. I'd have a bad attitude too if I was called a prickle. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. A prickle. I mean, while we are designed by God for community and relationship, we can be honest. We're all just a little bit awkward and prickly at times. You get close to somebody, they're prickly. Well, what's up? They're acting like a porcupine. Oh, and listen, listen, and I know, I know there are beautiful people. You know what are beautiful people? I'm talking about they look, they, they look beautiful, their kids are perfect, their marriage is perfect, so they present, right? It's like they live like a, an eternal Christmas card. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You talk to them, they're fine. How's fine? I'm fine. My kids are amazing. Honor roll, the smartest in the world. Our marriage off the charts. Money in the bank, no problems. God shows up in person every morning when I read the Bible. <laughs> and you're like, I'm a loser. 
let me help you guys. All right, here it is. Nobody's that good. Everybody's a little strange. Everybody's a little weird. Everybody's a little prickly. Everybody is. I don't care who, listen, who you are or who people are. You get around people. As a matter of fact, it's funny whenever people see my, my family, my wife, she was telling me this one time, this person said, oh, your husband, the message was so amazing and so powerful and he's such a godly man. I just, you know, and just all this stuff. And, and of course, my wife received us. Yeah, thank you so much, you know. And uh, I think she said something like, you know, I just wish, you know, he was just, I, I, if I could just be around him, he'd just be amazing. And my wife's like, most of the time. Let me tell you something. My job is I preach the Bible. I'm called by God. But let me tell you something. I'm prickly too. You get around anybody, they're prickly too. Because why? Because there's a little bit of that on the inside of all of us. Nobody's perfect. Everybody's a little bit strange. Everybody's got flesh patterns and overreaction buttons and hot buttons and heat buttons and what about this and this and I didn't mean that. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, all of us. When you get to know you get to know anyone, you can, you can see that, that they've got edges. Maybe you can relate to this. You, and you think, oh my gosh, this is the message I wanted to miss. This one Pastor Steve talks about. Gotta love one another, forgive one another, get along one another. No, it's me and Jesus. I had a guy tell me that one time. Pastor, it's just me and Jesus. I, I, I just really, people, I mean, just, I don't really like people. I like God. <laughs> I'm like, you're strange. But anyway, so, just listen to me, listen to me. Here's what I found out. The closer you get to God, the more he tells you to get along with his family. Can, can, I, can, I, can I tell you this? Guys, listen to me very closely. This is so important. I know that life's tough. I know that we can all get hurt in relationships. I had a lady one time, I was telling her, you know, I just try to encourage people. And I was in a foyer, and I've known her for a while. And this was a couple years ago, I said, and she'd gone through a, a real painful divorce. I mean, painful. I said, I'm just praying for you, and, and I'm really genuine. I said, you know, and I, and I believe if, if it's God's will to bring somebody back in your life, that you'll find the right person. Pastor! And she goes, she goes, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you remember that's in, that? And I said, what? And she goes, I'll never do that again. I've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, will never put it on again. And I was like, oh, Wow. Let me say, this, this, is, this message is not a marriage. It's, it's a relationship talk. It's, 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 it's business relationship, friendship, marriage. It's, it's all relationship. Let me just say this. This is very important. Very important what I'm about to say. You can, run from, you can run from marriage, but you can't run from people. The fact is, the more you get to know God, the more God will put you around people. We've got to figure this out. To figure out how do we do relationships? How do we do friendship? How do we really do it? The Bible says in Psalms 68:6 that God has a plan and God has a strategy. God is a strategic God. The Bible says God sets. Everybody say sets. sets. This is not just haphazard. God, God doesn't just wake up. By the way, God, the Bible says God doesn't sleep or slumber. So he didn't just wake up, Ooh, what was I doing? God is strategic. And the Bible says God strategically sets the lonely in relationships, in families. See, 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 in the Bible, it's really interesting in the Bible because, yeah, generally speaking, this talk is about relationships in general, but I'm going to get specific also about the church. Now, let me just qualify something. The church 
Yes, I understand it's the, a building we go to, but it's, but it's much more than that. It's a living, breathing organism. Seven words from church in the New Testament. Obviously, there's a word church, but it's the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the temple of God. All of these words are analogous terms. It's God's family, the family of God. And the Bible says what God does, the moment we come into relationship with him, guess what he does? He wants to set you in relationships. Set. It's very interesting when you think about the small groups. I, I, I want to say this. I'm so proud of some people that have told me for the first time that they've got, been in a small group. By the way, small groups, like I said, they don't end in three weeks. That topic ends in three weeks. I want to encourage you to go on in your small group. I had a guy one time tell me, I've been in three small groups. Pastor, the people are all, they just, they're strange. <laughs> and I say it respectfully, and I, <laughs> I kind of quilled him because it kind of offended me. I'm like, what? Are you serious? And I just kind of went, Pew! and I went, are, do you, can I, are you the only normal person like in a hundred mile race? So you're telling me everybody's strange, everybody's weird, everybody, but, you're, but what is the implication there? He's not. They're probably praying for the groups that he left. They're probably praying for him. <laughs> Lord, pray for that strange guy to get connected somewhere. I just, uh, y'all pray. Yeah, let's pray. Okay. Everybody's a little strange when you get to know them. You got to know me. Trust me, I got all kind of just quirky ways. But we got to do relationships. We've got to connect with people. How do we do this thing? Do we just check out? Do we quill them? Or do we run for the hills? No, we got to stay in the game. We got to learn how to do relationships. I, I love God's plan in 1 Peter chapter 2. Look what it says in verse 5. The apostle Peter says, you also are living stones, are being built up. As a spiritual house, as another word for church, the body of Christ. So we're living stones and we're living as vibrant, powerful, alive. We are living stones and we're being built together as a spiritual house. We're being built together. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now I want everybody to hear me. This is so important. God never refers to his children as bricks in the Bible but he does refer to them as stones. Why is that? Bricks are laid. Stones are strategically set. It's interesting, if you've ever seen a stone worker and, and the, the intricacies of how they chisel stone and how they work with stone and the intentionality of... Uh, see, see, a brick... A brick is laid, and, it, and it's, 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 it's different, and, but a stone has to have the right dimensions, and they have to have the, 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 the right um, distance between the two, and it has to, there's a complexion of how, how all this works, and, and, and it reminds me of when, when I think about God, how when we come into relationship with God, how God strategically puts people around us, by the way, that are not like us, so that we can become like him. God puts strengths in you, sir, and weaknesses in you, ma'am, and, 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 and strengths in her and weaknesses. And, and whether it's a marriage, whether it's a small group, whether it's a church family, whether it's friendships, God sets people next to you that you need. And by the way, there's great benefits to healthy relationships. Research studies have found that the most isolated people Listen to this. We're three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. Let me read it again. 
Research studies have found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. Now listen to this. People who had bad health habits, such as smoking, poor eating habits, excessive drinking, but strong social ties lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits yet lived isolated. In other words, it's better to eat cream cheese filled king cake with good friends than drink kale smoothies alone. Come on, can I have a witness? Right there. And I wanted to contextualize that comment in the season that we're in. The concept of good relationships, it's smart to be in good relationships. And by the way, where did it come from? Oh, Church of the King must have thought of it. They got all these small groups, thousands of people. No, 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 no. Oh, some sociology class. No, 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 no. It's, relationships are God's, it's God's, God's idea. This is God's idea. Well, I love God, but what about people? No, 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 no. The two greatest commandments, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love thy neighbor. See, it's vertical, but it's horizontal. You can't get away from it. Mother Teresa said that the leprosy of modern culture is loneliness. Loneliness. Pastor, how can people be lonely? We're so connected. You're right. Think about the irony, the paradox. We, we live in the most connected generation in history. Social media, whether it's Facebook, and, and I, I'm, I, I'm not against that. I'm, I've got one little thing that I do, but, 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 but some of you Facebook and friends and Instagram and Twitter and all these different, and I, so we're connected all over the world. I mean, we are connected and friends and you put a picture up and <clears throat> look at all the likes and people like me and, and look at all my friends and all that stuff. We, we are so connected, but so disconnected, really disconnected. The reality is, is that we've got to come to a place where we learn how to do, do relationships God's way. We understand what it means to be in a relationship with friends, what it means to be in a relationship with someone else, what it means to, 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 to walk through things and, and communicate. And by the way, I'm in process. I don't consider myself a relational expert. I'm a pastor, but I'm, but I'm getting better. I'm learning how to connect. Somebody said, what, what's the secret of being married over 20 years and being in marriage? I'll tell you what, be a professional repenter. I say, I'm sorry all the time. I just, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right, you're right. But, but that's a principle of relationship as well. I, I gotta tell y'all something. This is so interesting. Do you remember the book, in the very beginning of the Bible, <clears throat> the book of Genesis? In the beginning was God. And God created the stars. God created the earth. He created all these things. And at the end, there's a little caveat. Don't miss this. There's a little caveat at the end where it says, and it was good. God created, and it was good. God created, it was good. Genesis chapter 3 is where sin enters the world, all right? Genesis chapter 1, it was good. He's creating. It was good. Genesis chapter 2, he creates mankind. In the very first place in the Bible where we see some level of God's displeasure towards something prior to sin, 
prior to man sinning and breaking their relationship with God and, and sinning where there was shame, prior to any of that stuff, Genesis 3 and Genesis 2, God looked upon his creation and saw something that was not good. What was it, Pastor? Genesis 2, 18. And the Lord God said, it is what? It is not good that man should be alone. Listen to me closely. I don't believe this is relating to marriage because the apostle Paul was a single person. And the Bible says, I mean, he was caught up to the third heaven. He wrote two thirds of the New Testament. I think this is a principle of relationship. It can apply to marriage, but much more. It's not good, sir, that you're alone. Matter of fact, you can be in a marriage and still be alone. You can, be, you can be around a whole bunch of people and still be alone. You, you, you can work in, a, in, a, in an office and, and kind of millennial, we're not going to have desks. We're all going to look in circles and we're just going to look at one another and still feel alone. That was funny. I just thought of that. Because let me tell you something. Being alone is not related to physical proximity. It's, relating to, it's related to your heart being open or closed. I want to talk to you today about some of the barriers some of the barriers to relationship. I'm going to give you three, and then we'll close. And, and then I know this week in the small groups, you guys are going to be studying more of this. And then next week and next week, we've got two more weeks of small groups of, of this material. Three barriers that block us from healthy relationships and spiritual family. Number one, I want to give you three roadblocks, and then I want to give you three antidotes. We'll be right out of here at 1230, okay? Three Roadblocks and barriers and three antidotes. Number one, I believe the first barrier to healthy relationships in life and in a church and a small group and a family, the three, number one is independence, an unhealthy independence. Now let me qualify. I know that there's an unhealthy dependence where you feel like you can't even get up in the morning unless somebody calls you. But I also know that there is a poverty that's sweeping America that's related to relational poverty where we have esteemed success and given accolades towards achievement, but oftentimes it's been at the expense of relationship. Where we have so esteemed one value over and against other values, where we have somehow deified the, 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 the self-made woman, the self-made man. Somebody that's really made it. Somebody that's really, the problem is, the problem is, is that, is, can I tell you what is so sad? And I've seen it, man. It is so sad. When you see somebody that has tremendous financial success, they've got tremendous toys, tremendous houses all over the place, but no one to share it with. Man, that's not God's will. It's God's will for us to be connected to others, to have relationships, deep, meaningful relationships. I want to make a statement. It's going to sound so radical, but then I'm going to back it up biblically. To be independent in an unhealthy way, to be independent is to live distinctively non-Christian. Because when you meet Christ, he introduces you to his family. When you meet Christ, he connects you with his other kids. When you, listen, part of the sensation of being a healthy human being, whatever that means, is that we know how to connect with other people. And it's not pretty. It's not neat. Relationships are messy. Marriage is messy. Raising kids is messy. Relationships at work, it's messy. But we gotta figure it out. We can't quill people and we can't run for the hills. We gotta figure it out. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18 and 19, the Bible says, but now God has, there's that word again, everybody say it, set. 
God has set the members, each one in the body, just as he pleased, the body of Christ. He sets people in. If you read the context, he, he goes on and says, well, will the eye say to the ear, I have no need of you? Will the hand say to the foot, I have no need? We need one another. I need, I need you. I need you and you need me. We need one another. It's very hard for people to admit that sometimes. But we need one another. The most unhappy person in the world is the person that really is an island. We need one another. I've had people, even Christian people, again, I'll say it again, that said, Pastor, I, 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 I love God, but I just don't like people. What's behind that, if you unpack that rugged individualism and the independence, is there's a wound, there's a hurt, there's a pain. Something happened to that man. Something happened. His heart got ripped and hurt. And so now he's got self-protective layers to protect him from pain again. But you can't live that way. I've had preachers tell me before, I love the Bible. I love teaching the Bible. I just don't like the people in the church I pastor. I thought, there's other professions. <laughs> you know, there's other things. What's the antidote? What's the antidote to a rugged independence? Let me qualify. Independence in the sense of, I understand financial independence. I'm talking about where you're saying you don't need people. That's wrong. But let me give you the antidote. Here it is. You ready? First Peter. This is so powerful. First Peter 5, 5. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be, what's that next word? Say it with me. Clothed. That's going to be important. Clothed with humility. See, independence, a rugged independence where I don't need people is rooted in pride. Fact is, we need God and we need other people. God resists the proud. He stiff arms the proud. I don't want to be stiff armed by God. How about you? I don't want to be stiff-armed by God. He resists the power, but he gives grace to the humble. Well, what's the antidote, Pastor? I'll tell you what the antidote is. The, the antidote to, to, to independence is, is we've got to humble ourselves. But the way that we humble ourselves is, I, I, I love, that, I love that, 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 that line. It says, be clothed with humility. You know, part of the marks of maturity of a, a physiological maturity and psychological maturity is, is when a child, one of the things, I know there's a whole list, but one of the things is when we, we dress our children, right? But when those children start, I never forget when my son one time goes, he goes, I dress myself all by myself. All by my, it was a big, a, an accomplishment for a rising three-year-old, you know, or two-year-old. It's like, I, that's a mature thing when you dress yourself. Can I tell you what's mature? as a Christian, is when you learn to dress yourself with humility. You know, on Saturdays, I, I, um, I, on Saturdays, I get my clothes, I go from my closet, and it's a big thing at Church of the King, that I, because people, and I say this respectfully, but people will make comments about, you know, Pastor, and I've had people say, you know, you're kind of wearing the same type of clothes, you know, a lot. And so, and so I'm like, okay, guys. So I go to the closet. I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to wear? Okay, because I wore this before. It was uh, three weeks ago. And, and, you know, just, okay, this, and I did, you know, oh, geez. And I, I don't know about this. And so finally I get something. And, this, and, and then, by the way, you can only wear certain things. If the patterns are too close on the TV, it mores. And so it looks like I'm kind of like from Mars. If you look at it, it's like, you know, things are, so it's got to be a certain pattern. Well, I finally find what I'm going to wear, and then I got to think all this through, you know, so, so, so I've been wearing jackets lately, because my mom said, well, you look professional when you wear jackets. I'm like, but I don't care, mom. I, okay, I'm not, she goes, you need to, you know, look older. I'm like, I'm 48. That was cool when I was 28. Now I'm 48. I kind of want to go the other way. And so she, 
so, so I'm, I'm wearing jeans because that's cool because we got young people. So I want to look cool. So I want to look professional and cool. So it's a blend. Does that make sense? It's kind of a blend. I want to do a blend thing. But here's the deal. I'm just kind of, I don't know where I'm going with that. But, but here's the point. When I finally figure out what I'm going to wear, I, it takes time. I, I, I got to clothe myself. Don't miss this. I got to clothe myself and it takes time. I have to put on my shirt and my undershirt and then I, I, put on, I put on my jacket. Listen to me, listen to me. I clothe myself. Peter says, clothe yourself with humility. It takes time. You, you, don't miss this. You either fall on the rock and be broken, clothe yourself, or the rock in the circumstances of life crush you. You'll be resisted. See, the antidote to rugged individualism and independence where you think, I don't need people, is you have to learn. So in the morning times, you clothe yourself. What does that mean? You, 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 you consider yourself a servant to other people. You consider you're, you're not better than other people. You're not worse than other people. You're a human being called by God to love people. And, and, and you quit the comparison game. And, and, and you quit looking around how you evaluate yourself with everybody. And, and, you, and, you, and you understand that, 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 you're, that, that, that you need people. I need people. I have two pastors, Pastor Jacob Aranza, Pastor Jim LaFood. I have a lead team. I need the men that I walk with. On Wednesday, I have a group of people that I, I can be transparent with and I, I can be open with. And, but, but that takes intentionality because I've got to clothe myself. You've got to clothe yourself. It takes time to do that. You've got to be conscious in that. And if you're moving and trying to make it happen and things are happening, you, you're not going to clothe your. Nobody can get dressed running. You're going to look silly. It's not going to work. You're going to put your socks on your ears. <laughs> Number one is independence. Number two is insecurity. Our fears cause us to become unbondable with other people. When God's trying to set you with people, insecurities make you go all porcupine on them. We all do it. I do it. Well, they don't appreciate me, or no one likes me, or you go to the other extreme. I'm better than them, so I don't want to relate to them. It's like they got the small group. Listen to what I wrote down. Insecurity drives you into seclusion. That's why it's so important to be in healthy relationships in a local church. It's the, listen, it's the, it's the, the opposite. The opposite. Driving yourself into relationships is the opposite of seclusion. And I tell you, people that, people that begin to understand how to deal with their insecurities. Right, I'm going to make a couple statements. All right? Number one, we all have insecurities. Number two, you do not have to be controlled by your insecurities. Number three, you can become more secure. Number one, we all have insecurities. Number two, you don't have to be controlled. Number three, we can become more secure. Now, we're never going to be totally secure until we see Jesus face to face. We go to heaven. But you can, you can move from a place of continual insecurity to a place of more rested posture of security. What is the antidote, Pastor? Because you're talking my language right now. All right? Here it is. What's the antidote to insecurity? It is honesty. Honesty. I have people 
that I'll, I'll shake hands after church. Now today, I'm running over to do, here at the Little Creek campus, I'll, I'll do the, the uh, step one. But when I connect with people, it's always refreshing when people tell me something like this. Pastor Steve, it really makes me feel good to know when you share your weaknesses as well. Because when you share that, see pastor, we kind of hold you up like, you're, you're, you're like the pastor. And when you appropriately share things that you are A, going through or have gone through, it makes us kind of feel a little bit more normal. Let me tell you one of the keys to overcoming insecurity. Be honest. Be honest about them. There's nothing more gross than an insecure person not having self-awareness of how insecure they are. Everybody else sees it. So why not have a good sense of humor and kind of make fun of it? Yeah, there's times I can get insecure. What? Yeah, there's times I, I, know I can say things that are just, I, I just, I, I just, there's times I feel insecure. There's times I just kind of feel insecure. I'll get honest with it. I can tell y'all something. The worst small groups in the world are small groups where everybody's perfect. How are your kids? Perfect. How's your marriage? Perfect. How's your money? Perfect. How's, you, I'm just perfect. And the leader goes, I'm perfect. Everybody's perfect. Get me out of here. I want to know where that small group is because whoever that small group leader is, his name is Jesus. Because nobody's that good. You me tell you a good small group? People are transparent. Yeah, I'm going through something too. Yeah, are you really? You, I never thought you, what? You, you are Mr. Christmas card. <laughs> Your family's people, what, really? Now watch what the devil does. The devil loses some strength because he's been whispering to you. You are the only messed up person in the world. Everybody in this church knows you're a mess. I'm surprised they don't put your face on the video announcement. Messed up person, messed up person, messed up person. <laughs> and all of a sudden, somebody at small group goes, yeah, I've gone through that before. What? 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 And then the next person goes, you know what I have too? What? And the next one goes, what? This is amazing. And next thing you know, we're all rejoicing about how messed up we all are. <laughs> are you with me? Now, yes, we can get better. Yes, we can grow. But we gotta be honest. We gotta be honest. Let me give you the third and final thing. You guys learn anything? Tell me yes or I'm insecure. It hurt my feelings. Number three, we'll close. Isolation. Here's the end result of being somebody that's independent. You don't need people. Insecure. It's isolation. When you live isolated, you end up fighting anyone that comes near you or you end up running for the hills like a porcupine. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 1, it says a man or a woman that isolates themselves rages or seeks their own desires and they rage against all wise judgment. Isolation is, it's a horrible thing because you end up just talking to yourself and living alone. By the way, you can be in a marriage and live isolated, okay? Isolation is a posture of the heart where you're not open to people. Talk about being a porcupine. 
Where, 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 where people get close to you. you and, and here's the thoughts that some of you had. I've tried it. It doesn't work. I'll just remain alone. Don't do that. Push through. Everybody say push through. You got to push through the pain. You got to push through the pain. You got to make yourself open. You've got to make yourself. Don't, don't, don't pull out. Don't, don't, hey, and if you're a friend, if you really are a friend to somebody, don't let your friend isolate. They'll go into a dark place. I'm telling you, dark place. Don't let them isolate. Where have they been? I don't know, but don't, don't, don't let them. Don't, if you really love somebody, don't let them do that. Don't let them do that. It's not good. I thank God for the lead team, the men that I have on, that walk with me on Wednesday. We have a, a team meeting and a staff meeting, a, a team. We're in, and, and really the first 30 minutes is I, I get to just kind of be transparent about where I am. And I'm their, technically their boss. But I mean, we're all co-labors, man, in this thing together. I don't lord that over them. I'm like, we're all servants to one another. And I get so transparent about things. I thank God. I thank God that I have a group of men that I can be transparent without the fear of being judged. Guys, I'm scared. I'm, I feel like my leadership, I just, I, I'm not connecting. I'm not, I just, but, 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 but when I feel, listen, when I feel those feelings where there's that little voice, just pull back, be alone. I'm not talking about healthy replenishment of soul. I'm not talking about having a day off, and I'm, ta I'm talking about a whole life posture where it's marked by isolation. It's different. It's wrong. I thank God when I can get open and I can begin to get transparent. It's always funny to see Pastor Randy. I love Pastor Randy. He's like a brother to me. I always can tell when he gets transparent. He's kind of gone through something because it gets a little, somebody quilled him. His lip gets real thin. It's really answered. I'm like, there you go with the lip. I see the lip. I see the lip. And then Pastor David Agarmo, we call him the resident cowboy. He starts spurring. He gets his spurs out, you know, a little bit. And then Pastor Doug, he's just like Jesus. We're like, we try to get him to sin sometimes, but he won't. You know what I'm saying? He won't even get mad at people. It's like, you're like Jesus, Doug. But here's my point. I know how it is to want to run. I know how it is to, Pastor, you ever get scared? Yeah, I know what it is. Yeah. Sometimes I come out and I'm coming to speak and I'm like, this is a lot of responsibility. Whoa. I get overwhelmed sometimes. I think, I don't want to mess up, man. There's a lot of people watching me right now. Can I tell you something? You got to be honest about that with somebody. You got to be open. Fight isolation. Let me tell you, fight independence. Fight insecurity. Push through it. Get open about it. And fight isolation. Let me give you the antidote and I'll close. Be kind. Be kind. You want people to be kind to you? Be kind. Step out. Everybody say step out. If not, you'll end up a victim. The antidote to isolation is help somebody. Take your eyes off yourself. Find somebody that's hurting worse than you and help them and watch your life be transformed. I want everybody to stand. I'm going to do something that I, I can't remember ever doing before, but I want to help you guys with something. Was this helpful today so far? Is this helpful? We're gonna take 30 more seconds. I'm gonna teach you to do something that I think will help all of you, all right? And it's talking about making positive, powerful confessions. I want you guys to say this. Say independence, everybody say independence, independence. and not my friend. Not my friend. Say insecurity, insecurity. Is, not is not my portion, my portion. in life. You need to believe that. 
Say this. Say, isolation, isolation. Is, not is not my destiny. See, you have to push against that. You can't just recoil and capitulate. You got to push against that. I'm not going to isolate. I'm not going to let insecurity dominate my life. I'm going to be transparent and open, and I'm going to push against it. I want you to say this. Say, all people, all people. are not out to hurt me. If you believe that, listen to me very closely. If you believe that, that everybody's out to hurt me. Everybody's out to take advantage of me. Have I ever been taken advantage of? Of course. Have I ever been hurt? Of course. But I cannot go into every relationship and every connection and think they're going to take advantage of me. They're going to hurt me. Listen to me very closely. Can I tell you when you know that you're really maturing in this thing? When so Please don't miss this one last thing. When somebody hurts you, when you know that you're maturing, you can quickly go, Wow, wow, yeah, that hurt, but man, they must be really hurting to do that to me. The moment you do that, you've matured. The moment you do it. Say, everyone is not out to hurt me. Now, I want you to say these last three things. Say, I'm loved by God. Say, I'm accepted by God. Say, God has set me in family. You, you got to say that every day. I'm, I'm going to push through insecurity. I'm going to push through isolation. N everyone's not out there. Because if you believe that, you'll be a victim. We're overcomers in Jesus Christ. Come on, how many of y'all receive that? You guys receive that? We're overcomers. We're overcomers.